Welcome back to another episode of the Cheap Property Spain video podcast. On today's episode, I speak with Alejandro Cano of Lexity, a law firm based in Barcelona that specializes in helping expats buy real estate, obtain visas, and a lot more. Alejandro is originally from El Salvador, but moved to Spain to practice real estate law after obtaining a master's degree in France. As you'll see, he's incredibly knowledgeable and very passionate about all things real estate law. So this interview is truly a deep dive into the home buying process in Spain. We cover literally every detail, um, the steps involved, things to watch out for, fees, taxes, and even how to buy a property without ever stepping foot in the country. So if you're seriously considering buying a home in Spain in the next few years, this is the episode for you. Enjoy. I would love it if we could start with the basics, you know, in, in your own words, kind of what are the what are the steps to buying a home in Spain? All right, the steps. Um, so whenever whenever you're looking for a property in Spain, so all the viewers right now, they're they're like, okay, I'm interested in, in buying a property in Spain, right? What should I do? Is the first step is start looking for a property. Uh, Idealista might not be the best place, even though lots of people think think that. Um, for, uh, like for example, you, Chris, you can help them with this. And because what we need is for our clients to look for the property first, uh, and at least to have an idea of the area that they're looking for. Because if they just have the broad idea of like, hey, I want to move to Spain. Well, Spain is big, not as big as other countries, but it, it's big, you know. So uh, we we would like for the clients to at least have. Uh, okay, I want to move to Catalonia. That gives us like, okay, they, they want to move over here. This It's just a couple of cities in, in Catalonia. So we can put you in contact with a couple of real estate agents, uh, well, such as yourself, that you you can help them with this. And once they find the property, the only thing that we ask is like, for example, for the client to submit the formal offer for this property. So those these are the first steps. Once the formal offer has been submitted, what we ask is to not sign anything. It goes over here. Some real estate agents, what they do is they try to take advantage. And I'm, I'm talking about especially the, the Spanish real estate agents. They try to take advantage of expats, which is uh, Lexi's specialty. Uh, so what they, they try to do is like, oh, you know, you know what? He's an expat. He doesn't speak the language. So we're just going to make him sign this, this contract and we're just going to make him sign it in Spanish. And so my advice is in, in these steps, do not sign anything. Just contact us. Uh, I, I believe Chris will leave you my, my contact details. <clears throat> Sorry about that. My contact details after, after this is over in the middle of somewhere over there. Um, what, what we do is we contact them and we handle the entire communication for you. Um, so the, the steps, I'm just going to sum, like summarize everything so that we, we, can, we can keep moving is first you find the property, then you have the reserve contract fairly simple contract, this 10 to 15 days contract. Um, after this contract expires, you go ahead. Well, in, in the meantime, you're doing the due diligence. We're doing it. Um, next step is the ARRAS contract. You might know it as the deposit contract with, where, where you pay 10% approximately. 10% is, is the usual amount uh, we recommend. It's easier to claim it back in case something happens. And then we go to the final SBA, the sales and purchase agreement. Uh, this is a term that you will probably hear me say um, along, like whenever we continue. So SBA is a sales and purchase agreement, simple as that. So uh, these are the five basic steps. Of course, there's many behind the curtain 
and I believe we're going to talk about some of them right now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. So it, I mean, at its basic level, it's pretty similar to buying a, a property in the United States or, or almost in any, any other Western country. Um, what are, what are some of the, I guess, early stage complications? You kind of hinted at it, like with, you know, if you're working with like an unknown real estate agent or something, like you might easily get taken advantage of. What are some of the kind of things to look out for in those early stages? So what, what we look, and this is why we recommend for us to start right at the beginning. Uh, I mean, us like Lexity, your lawyers, to start right at the beginning because uh, whenever, whenever we... Uh, offer to go ahead with the reserve contract, that is where we ask the 10 to 15 days, right? In this 10 to 15 days, there's many things happening at the same time. For example, first thing, well, we're drafting the reserve contract. Second thing, we start with the due diligence. Now in the due diligence, this is the tricky part because for example, some some buildings over here in Spain, when not some, sorry, every building here in Spain that is over 45 years old needs an ITE, I-T-E. What is this? It's a technical uh, inspection for the building that is performed by the city hall. I mean, not by the city hall per se, but it's the city hall who gives you a short list of, okay, guys, community of neighbors, you want to do an ITE because your building already hit the 45-year mark. This is a short list of architects that you may use. And that's it. It's a closed list. So it's not like they can go out of this because in this short list are some architects that, well, all of these architects are trusted by the town hall or city hall, right? So what happens in this ITE, the ITE, uh, is that they determine what needs to be repaired and in what period of time. For example, a typical thing that happens after 45 45 years, sorry, is the facade. The facade of the building needs to be restored. So this, depending on the, of the building, of course, it can be up to 300,000 euros to repair it. Let's say it's only 10 neighbors living in this building. Now you do the math. It's, it's not that cheap, right? So it's this 300,000 euros divided by 10 neighbors that what happens a lot in Spain, and this is something that this is why we always ask for these 10 to 15 days is to be very careful because some, some sellers, what they do is like, okay, you know what? Here comes the, the, the ITE moment. So right now, let's see. Oh, the ITE. Wow, I need to pay 300K for, for the facade. Well, I guess this is the moment for me to sell. And this happens very, very often, unfortunately. So this is something that we need to avoid. And again, this is something that, for example, everyone would say, oh, yeah, but well, according to the law, you cannot sell with any charges, charges, encumbrances, liens, whatever. Yeah, that's right. But what happens? This ITE, it's not registered anywhere but the town hall so, or the community of neighbors. There you go. So yeah, that, that's a perfect example of something that I've, I've literally, I've done so many hours of research on you know buying properties in Spain, and I've never seen anybody talk about the ITE before, and how that's that's a great example of something that if you if you don't do this every day, there's no way you would even know about that. Yeah, exactly. So uh, you have no idea the amount of of purchases that they either uh, break up because the, we find this out in in the due diligence er- period, and we're like, okay, Mister Seller. 
we know what you're hiding. Uh, there's a 300K uh, debt or there will be because sometimes in, in the ITE, what it says is like, okay, community of neighbors, we give you five years to repair this. Because of course, uh, 300K, you're not gonna just get them overnight, right? Um, so the, the town hall can give you five years, for example. It's like by 2027, you need to have this repaired. So this, it's nowhere. So what we do is like, okay, we go, we read the ETA, it's like a 98 page uh, report. Yeah, almost 100 pages report that we go through it. We read and we're like, okay, there's, there's this that needs to be repaired by 2027. So we go to Mr. Seller and it's like, okay, we know that this will have to be paid by 2027. So how can we proceed? Either we discount this from the purchase price. How, how, how do we proceed? And sometimes, well, they're like, well, if you don't find it, it you found out, but maybe the next one will not. So I'll, I'll take my chances. And unfortunately, wow. that happens. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, are, are there any other large things that you're looking out for specifically during the due diligence process? Yes. Okay. So what happens in the due diligence process? So we're investigating not only with the, with the community of neighbors, we're also doing it with the town hall. We're doing it with the land registry, with the cadastral office. Um, and that's it. These uh, these four entities, let's call them. Mm -hmm. So while we're doing the research with this, what we highly recommend because okay, in Spain it's not mandatory, uh, legally speaking, for a technical survey to be performed over the property. It is not. So even though it's not mandatory, we always highly, highly recommend for a technical survey to be performed over this property. Now, Lexity, us, we do collaborate with architects all across Spain. So you can tell me that, yeah, but Alejandro, I don't know any architects around there because I'm from the US. He's like, don't worry, we actually got a network of architects down south, over here in Madrid. So we got architects literally everywhere in Spain. Uh, that it, the most important thing about architects, it's not the price, it's that you trust them. Because, okay, so there's two sides of every, of every purchase. The legal aspect uh, that, of course, when you hire a law firm, us, Lexity, we make sure that everything is okay, legally speaking. But structurally speaking, oof, I can tell you that I've only been to probably three properties out of hundreds or close to thousands that I've helped my clients to, to purchase. So we don't know if the building is falling apart. We will never know. And yeah. ever since COVID, it's very, very popular that um, some clients, they don't even come to Spain and they simply go like, Alejandro, you know what? I trust you. I trust your law firm. Just handle everything and just save my keys. And whenever I'm in Barcelona, I'm just going to go and collect the keys. I wish, I wish I could show you a picture of this. Uh, we have a, a safe deposit over here. Uh, the amount of keys we have from all these clients that they're like, yeah, Alejandro, you know what? I'll be in Barcelona probably by 2024. So just keep the keys over there. <laughs> Wow. So that that's it's actually one of my questions that I've had for you. And, and you, it, I, I guess now the short answer is yes. But so it sounds like someone can not step foot in Spain at all and still purchase a property here. Yeah, that is correct. Wow. So how does that process work? 
Okay, so how does that work is very simple, actually. So what we do is, uh, as long as the country is part of the Hague Convention, it's easier. It's not that if the country it's not, it's impossible, but if it's part of the Hague Convention, it makes things easier. Why? Because you would have the Apostle stamp. Now, with the Apostle stamp, and I'm going to give you two scenarios, the one, the one with, the one without. Let's use the U.S. as, as the one with. The, or the one part of the Hague Convention. Uh, so a country that is part of, a, of the Hague Convention, such as the US, uh, it's easier to just go to a, a public notary. Like we draft the power of attorney. We do absolutely everything. We draft it. We make sure that everything is drafted how it should be because all the clauses that we have in our power of attorney, we have checked with the tax agency in Spain, we have checked with the town halls in Spain, like the city or town halls, whatever you want to call them. We have checked with the banks in Spain. So we have checked with all the these different entities just to make sure that the, the power of attorney, we're not going to go there one day and they're going to be like, oh, this clause is, well, doesn't make any sense. Because one thing about a power of attorney is that you can draft it however you like. Uh, there's no specific way, let's say. There's there's not like, of course, there there are like, uh, there's like a framework where you can work around, but how you draft it, it's more like your style. So what we did is we checked with all these different entities that Lexity uses this power of attorney at, and we made sure that they will accept all of these clauses. So we draft the power of attorney for you, you and do at US, you would contact a public notary, which is basically half of the population. Uh, and <laughs> so after that, uh, you just ask that same person, the, the public notary, to just how, how to apostle this document. Now, we, we can, like, he can provide like a couple of services, like, because there's some agencies that do that for a living, or we can, we can suggest a couple more, like, depends on the country. Uh, for example, US, UK, we, we work a lot with these two countries. So, uh, well, US, UK, Canada, um, Australia. So the, these countries, we work so much with them that if we even know people from there, like we like some sort of collaboration, let's call it. So, or we recommend people from there. So uh, we can tell you like, hey, Chris, you can use this one. Uh, they're actually good. They're not too expensive and they're fast. So you apostle the document takes like a week, week and a half, once you receive it, because, uh, well, you will physically send it somewhere. And then once you receive it back, you ship it to us, physically ship it to us. The second that we receive that power of attorney with all of these clauses, of course, the clauses are subject to change. I'm not, I'm not saying that Lexity will imply clauses on you or anything. Of course, every clause that you tell me like, hey, Alejandro, but I don't feel too comfortable in you being able to open a bank account for me. It's like, okay. No worries. I mean, but if you if you don't want us to be able to open a bank account for you, you would have to come to Spain because after you purchase a property, you do need to have a, a bank account in Spain. So you need to have a Spanish bank account to be able to purchase a property here. Yes, sir. That's right. Okay. So you know, you do. It's not that you need it for the actual purchase, but you need it post post purchase. Like, for example, the utilities. Uh, you cannot, and this is something that we, we've been fighting over and over, but it's still, it seems like an impossible fight. Uh, you cannot transfer utilities to an international bank account. Not even in Madrid or Barcelona, the two most cosmopolitan cities in Spain. 
and they go like, well, sorry, we just accept Spanish bank accounts. So then there's no way around it. Uh, unless you have a friend that has a bank account and you'll be transferring, but you see, it's too much trouble. So it's easier if you just grant a power of attorney, we open the bank account for you. We can, we can even make the power of attorney so limited that after we open the bank account, this power of attorney becomes useless. So like we, we take into account all these little details because of course you cannot just, or some people do not fully trust someone that it's on the other side of the world, right? Or at least yeah. some people are more cautious or they, they just don't like to do it. Some people, they just go like, Alejandro, you know what? You seem trustworthy, so uh, let's go ahead. <laughs> do you also need a, uh, a NIA number to, to begin the, the property purchase process? To begin? No, you do not. You can actually, you can start the entire process. You can, you can sign the reserve contract with your passport. We can do the due diligence. You can sign the ARRAS contract with your passport. And not a problem. The second that you, you will need your NIA is for actually signing the, the SBA. So over there, there, again, there's no way around it. You either have a NIA or you have a NIA. Uh, if not, it's completely impossible to sign the, the final SBA. Um, but again, that is not a problem for Lexity. Uh, we can actually obtain an NIE for you in three to six business days. And this is something that not, not every firm in Spain can offer. Oh, that's great. Yeah. I, I know getting a NIA, uh, can be, and it has for, for my fiance been a huge headache. She finally got one, but even as an EU citizen, it, it took her a very long time to, to even just get an appointment to get a NIA number. So. <laughs> we have some people that they're like, Alejandro, I have an appointment. I'm like, all right. Uh, when's the appointment? Well, six months from now. <laughs> it's like, all right. <laughs> well, I don't think the property is going to be on the market anymore in six months. So, <laughs> yeah. Wow. So what we do is like, don't worry, three to six business days and we have it. So okay. and it's not a problem. You, you don't have to be in Spain. Again, you don't have to. Right. And so then, um, so let's see, so you have to, um, you, you sign the, what, what did you call that first agreement that you have to sign with the seller? Oh, the reserve contract. I mean, we, we call the, it the reserve contract in Spanish is paga y señal, uh, which uh, it means nothing in English. Like if you do a literal translation, it's like paga y señal, it, it means nothing. So that's why I decided to just start calling it the reserve contract. It's people understand the, the, the basic concept of reserve, mm -hmm. which you actually, you actually are reserving the property for 10 to 15 days. Okay. And when you sign that, is any money given to the seller? Like uh, in the U S we call it an earnest money deposit. Is there anything like that exchanged? Okay. Yeah. So it doesn't matter if the property is 100,000 euros or the property is 1 million euros. Normally uh, in the reserve contract, we, we offer between 1,000 and 5,000 euros. So why? Because it's going to be easier to claim it back. Uh, some people suggest that it's better to go with the 1% in the, in the reserve contract and then 9% in the ARAS contract. So that way you have a complete 10%. Um, this is personal. I prefer for it to be between one and 5,000 euros. So that way, if it goes south, it's easier to claim back, I don't know, 1,000 euros rather to be claiming back, I don't know, it could be what, 30, 30 10,000 euros, 20,000 euros. It happens. It happens a lot. So it's easier to claim a lower amount. So within those first two weeks, 
within those first, you know, you said 14 days or so, once you kind of put that initial deposit down, um, what, uh, what are you really looking for before proceeding to the, to the next phase of, of purchasing the property? Yeah, yeah. So exactly what I was what I was saying before. So uh, between between the reserve contract and the arras contract, or let's call it deposit. Well, we're here; it's called arras, right? So it's the same. Um, so in this period, what we're doing is the due diligence and the technical survey. So what happens be- behind the curtain? Uh, the due diligence part is uh, this is where we become lawyers slash detectives. So because we're, we're like lifting every rock there is, we're looking for every possible debt that the, that the current owner has. Uh, we're checking with the town hall. We're, we actually read the last three years minutes from the community of neighbors because there, there can be some budgets that were approved, at, let's say, in 2019, uh, saying that starting from 2022 uh, the, uh, or from X month in 2022, we're going to start paying X amount for, I don't know, to repair the roof or I don't know, the facade. So they, they usually do this. They give like a three-year heads up to, to all of the owners. Like, hey, guys, start saving money because in three years, we'll have to start paying a monthly of X amount and we will pay for the next, I don't know, 10 years or five years. So... We go ahead and read the last three years minutes from the community of neighbors. So yeah, lawyers slash detectives slash whatever you want to call us because we just read and read and read and read um, just to find anything. And at the same time, we're checking with the land registry, checking because most of the properties in Spain, they they do have a mortgage. Uh, I would say eight out of every 10 properties that we see they they have a they have a mortgage not because their clients uh require one but because he has a a a past mortgage right so we need to make sure that it it is canceled correctly that the amount is okay that he has been paying all of these all of these uh installments so it's a lot of things that we need to check before making sure that these debts can actually be paid and if the if the seller has the money to pay them before, we actually advise for it to be canceled before. If not, we do a retention at the notary. Like for example, Chris is selling this house that still has a mortgage of, I don't know, 200,000 euros, uh, but the property is 1 million euros. So what you plan to do is grab the cash and then pay this 200K. This is well, what we always do, and it's suggested to be done this way, is for it to be either for you, for you, Chris, to pay before or to do a retention at the notary. That means that you, Chris, will not get the one million exactly. You will get the one million minus two hundred. Right, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. That and that ensures all the, the the debts are properly paid off. Correct, and we make sure of that. Like this, this is part of, of what we do in the in the due diligence. And after, well, at the, the moment of the SBA, we make sure that everything is canceled correctly. Mm-hmm. Okay. So then, so moving forward in the process, then let's say, you know, you guys do all your detective work, everything's checking out, the buyer still wants to proceed. What happens next? Well, what happens next? Well, uh, in the meantime that we're doing the due diligence, the whole back and forth for the arras is going on uh, because it's a, it's a kind of a big negotiation. Um, for example, in Vexity, we always give uh, our clients two choices. 
either you want to be kept in CC of every single email we, we exchange regarding your case, or for example, uh, some choose the second option, which is just like, hey, Alejandro, just give me a quick call whenever there's something big that I should know. So whenever, whenever the client, they, they choose the, I want to be in CC of everything, they go like, wow, well, what are you guys doing over there? Because sometimes for one clause, it, it can be 30 emails because uh, they're suggesting for this class to be drafted this way. We're like, mm, no, that's not going to work. We want it this way because our client, he's interested in this. So we always, before start uh, before starting the out of negotiation, we normally have a quick 10 minute call with the client. Like, Hey, all right, Chris, well, what do you want? What are your expectations? First, when would you like to find the, to sign the final SPA? Are you going to purchase this property with a mortgage or not? Um, do you want something to be kept inside the, the property? For example, some, some clients, uh, by law, like according to the law, uh, properties needs to be, need to be uh, like delivered, let's call it uh, completely empty. But sometimes they get to an agreement where it's like, hey, you know what, just leave these lamps because I really like them. Uh, so we make an, an inventory. Uh, so all of these little things are a, a big back and forth that it's happening behind the curtains that if you decide to have the second option, all you know is that something is happening back there, but you're not really aware of what's happening. So this is it. It's a negotiation. Yeah. So this is happening in the 12 to 15 days uh, between the reserve contract and the ARAS contract. After this is done, let's say that we agreed over everything. The technical survey came out to be good. Um, from, from a legal perspective, everything was okay. So we just go ahead and, all right, let's sign. And we, we establish a final purchase date, a, like a maximum, maximum purchase date. Why do we do this? Just in case uh, something happens. Like we always, let's say you tell me, hey, Alejandro, you know what? Uh, I want to end at least by the, or you tell me, I want to finalize the date on or before the, I don't know, the 15th of April. So I will, I will ask you if we can just stretch a little bit more around like the 20th or the 25th. So we have some margin just in case something happens, because if not, we would have to sign an extension of the contract. And it's something right. that it's better to avoid. Because uh, so, sometimes they would not like to do that for whatever reason, even though everything is done digitally nowadays uh, or electronically. Every contract that you sign with Lexity, uh, reserve contract, ARAS contract, you don't have to be in Spain. We have a, a you know, like we use a platform, which is that we just upload the document over there. We, we put both parties and this with two parties can sign the, the document digitally. Yeah. And then it, it, yeah, and it, it does like this digital certificate, which is valid and it's legally valid everywhere. So you don't have to move anywhere. Like why wouldn't <laughs> you want to just sign another one? It's, it, yeah. <laughs> it depends on the setter, of course. Of course, always. And how maybe old school they are. Um, so, so let's say everything goes according to plan and you get to your closing day. What, um, I guess, what, what are all the fees and taxes and sort of things that the buyer should expect to pay on closing day for the property? Okay, so the buyer would have to pay uh, first fees, uh, well, legal fees. So Lexity, uh, actually, uh, 
maybe I maybe I can share the the small table that we have for for fees uh, in case you're interested. I can share it after after the after this is done. Um, so we charge it on percentage base percentage basis. Sorry. And it's 1.3, 1.2, 1.1, and 0.75 for over a million. Uh, of course, I'm gonna send it, and maybe you can just put it somewhere over there in a corner. Um, after that, uh, other piece that you need to consider is the the architect's piece. Uh, of course, it depends on how many square meters, where is it located. Uh, but let's say it goes around like. Between six hundred and twelve hundred, somewhere around there. Of course, if it, if it's like a mansion, uh, I don't know, three thousand square meters, don't expect for it to be between like twelve hundred, right? It it can go up to like I don't know, uh, ten thousand. It depends. It depends. Um, other fees. Well, the notary fees uh, they vary, although we estimate that it's or we calculate that it's around 0.2% of the total purchase value, but not, not every time. It, it depends on, on many, many things. So let's say that it varies between 800 and 2,000 euros, around, around those two numbers. Um, what else? Well, the taxes, of course, uh, the, the actors, always. Uh, so whenever you buy a property, yeah, <laughs> over here in Spain, especially. Uh, so whenever you're buying a property in Spain, for example, I'm going to give you the Catalonia example, because it's, uh, so I'm not, I'm not going to start talking about the, all the comunidades autonomas over here, uh, in Catalonia, it's 10% over the total, uh, over the rep, uh, cadastral reference value. So this can either be a little bit higher or a little bit lower than the purchase value and this is this is determined uh i believe i believe that it's by the cadastral office so this is something that just changed on the first of january so this this is why i i am i'm still not an expert on it although don't worry i'm not the only one working on it it's a, it's a, it's an entire team working for you <laughs> Okay, great. So, so this is based, This is kind of the big tax, right? That um, that is paid whenever someone purchases a property. And you said it's ten percent of the value of the property, more or less. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Sometimes it's almost the exact. Like before, before twenty twenty two, it was the exact. Like it was ten percent of the exact purchase value. You're buying for five hundred k. You're gonna pay fifty k taxes. And you have 30 days in order to pay these taxes. Uh, this is another thing that we do for you. So again, just honestly, if you hire Lexi, all, all you have to do is just pick pick the property. That's it. After that, we handle the rest. And that's um, great. Makes it a lot easier. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, one more thing is that we also do the registration process. Uh, for example, after you're done with the with the property. Uh, purchase uh we do the registration property uh, registration process at the land registry and we follow through the the entire process that legally takes 30 days it never does it always takes around two months a little bit more if we don't call that again that we we have to be that annoying person that is always calling like hey is that is that already registered because some clients they do have some sort of a rush because, or they are in a rush because they are applying for the golden visa. So the golden visa is whenever you buy a property over 500K or properties that accumulate like 
they uh, whenever you add up the, the the purchases, it goes over 500k. That well, you know, probably in the episode they talked about the golden visa. So this is this is for you people to go and check David uh, David's podcast. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. So that's that's actually a good point because I did have a question about um, sort of how all that works. So you you can, if you're not a Spanish citizen or anything, you can you have no problem buying a property uh, without a visa. Is that correct? Like, or or you you could basically be here on a tourist visa and own a property and never apply for like the non-lucrative visa or the golden visa or anything. Yeah. No, we have many clients. Just like that, that, for example, from South America, that very common that this happens is they they just want to buy a property like a like a second residence, you know, you just somewhere where they can spend their holidays. So what they do is they they don't have an ex like they just have the passport, their own passport. They're not interested in any visa because I don't they don't need it or they don't want it, and they just buy a property in Spain. They can come with like for example almost. I, I believe that every country from South America, Central Central and South America, they can come to Spain for 90 days without a visa, like like the is the tourist tourist period. Let's call it. Um, you don't need anything but the new. That's that's all you need. Okay, that's great. Well, good. Well, now next big kind of let, let's move away now from uh, purchasing a property. I think we I think you've done a great job covering that. And I, I want to pick your brain a little bit on what are your thoughts on like the Spanish market overall? And I, I know it's a big country, much bigger than most people think. And it varies so much like Galicia is so different from Andalusia and and Valencia is so different than Catalonia even. So what kind of what are your, what are your thoughts on where is the market in 2022 right now? And how does that vary by region? Okay, right now, uh, the market, it's starting to calm down, let's call it, because in 2021, it was just, uh, it was crazy. Uh, the prices, first of all, they, they were on the floor. Uh, the mortgages, like, so, like I would say nine out of every 10 clients, they didn't even need a mortgage, mortgage sorry, but our clients were getting mortgages 30 years fixed uh for 085 so i mean they, they were just giving mortgages here and there so every property was like the, the volume of market it was over there for what just a couple of weeks sometimes just a couple of days so this is incredible i mean i we we don't really like go deep into that part because well again we're, we're real estate law department so it's more like lawyers working with real estate, uh, but this is what what I hear because, of course, while you're in the in the real estate department, you have many many calls with these real estate agents, and you always establish like a typical chit chat. It's like, hey, so how are things? And it's like, well, yeah, the market is crazy, or the market the market right now is going through the roof. Um, that was more in 2021. Right now in 2022, it's starting to settle down a, a little bit. Um, especially not, not because money is over right? or because properties are over. No, uh, it's mainly, uh, this, uh, this is my personal opinion. I would say because uh, mortgages are like the interest rate on the mortgages are going up a little bit. It's still very good. Like, uh, one of our clients, he just signed a, a mortgage last week. It was one Oh five. So it's still pretty good, but it's not a zero eighty five. You know, so it's, right. um, uh, so the market, it's still pretty hot. 
not as hot as 2021. Okay. Yeah. Makes sense. So maybe a good time for a new buyer to get in then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, let me see. Oh, you were asking about the different communities. So like Comunidades Autonomas, uh, it's, well, the, 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 the hottest ones are always Catalonia and over in the Galicia area over there, it, people just love over there. Then Madrid and of course down South. I mean, Spain is beautiful. Spain is beautiful. We all know this. Um, this is why you and I came to Spain. It's just beautiful. Um, so it's like expat to expat over here. Uh, so all, all of Spain is, is beautiful. Uh, yeah. So I would say, but yeah, Catalonia, Madrid, and uh, around Galicia, País Vasco, over there in like up north mm-hmm. is, is the hot, well, and down south, yeah, everywhere. And, uh, yeah, it just depends on which coast do you want. You know, do you want a little bit of rain or no rain at all? Or <laughs> um, So I, I think I saved probably my favorite question for you for last. Um, this one's a little bit different maybe than, than what most people think about in Spain, but it, it's something that I've, I've been dying to speak specifically with a real estate lawyer about this in Spain. So in the U.S., there's a fairly common practice of, called seller financing. Basically, where um, the you know the seller of the property extends uh, a, a mortgage more or less to the buyer of their own property over you know like ten to fifteen years, like not a thirty-year mortgage, but something a little bit shorter of a time frame. Is that possible, or, or does it even happen here in Spain? To be honest, uh, I have checked everywhere for this. I have checked everywhere for this because you're not the first person that, that asked me this. Actually, the last time it was an American client. Uh, so a U.S. citizen, he was like, yeah, well, Alejandro, you know what? You can do this. I know you can. Like back back at home, we do this. And I was like, um, but not here. I mean, I've, I've checked everywhere. You know, you know where I told you, remember when I told you that we become like detectives? I became a detective just for that. And we've never heard of a case like that, like where, where a seller just feel like, yeah, you know what, I'm going to lend you some money. No, because over here, uh, you have so many, uh, like uh, the mortgage brokers, that, that's a big thing over here in Spain, at least, um, where they will charge you, I don't know, between 2,000, 3,000 euros, depending on the complexity of, of, of your profile, let's call it. And they will charge you two to 3,000 euros and they will find find you a mortgage i don't know how do they do it because uh i have clients that they 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 have been like i don't know in over 30 different agencies and they get a no 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 but then well these guys they they do this for a living right so they always manage get a mortgage somehow so this is why maybe maybe this is my guess that because of this because of how the mortgage brokers are here in spain and they, they, i don't know how but they always get it like they always get yeah, one for interesting. you so there, there's almost no no need from the buyer's end yeah that's interesting i mean in the u.s you know they, they, there's tons of mortgage brokers in the u.s there's there's all these different options but it, it's something that even in you know i was talking with my parents about this in the late 80s early 90s it wasn't really well known all over the united states but in michigan where i'm from they call it a land contract and people started doing them i, I think from the seller's standpoint, they loved it because they said, well, yeah, because if you don't pay, I get my house back. So they, they didn't mind at all. But yeah, I, I think now it's confirmed. I've talked to a few different agents. I've asked the same question too. They all look at me like, I don't know what you're saying, Chris. And now I think it's confirmed because Alejandro, the, the detective, has confirmed it. It doesn't exist in Spain. 
I mean, wow. Chris, maybe maybe that's something that we, uh, you and I, like between cheap property, Spain and Lake City, can start. You know, uh, like maybe start helping the sellers. Like, hey, because what you just mentioned is is very interesting. Because if they don't pay, I just get the house back. Yeah. As long as it's legally allowed in, you know, as long as there's a way to legally enforce it in the country, I don't see why it, people wouldn't go for it. You know, it's not for everyone, but, you know, there's, there's a sliver of the market that would want it for sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We, <laughs> we, we can talk that. We can talk about that maybe later. <laughs> All right. Great. Notes for next time. Awesome. Fantastic, Alejandro. Thank you so much for giving us all this insight. I think it was very helpful. And I just, I really enjoyed our conversation. So thank you. Me too, Chris. It was lovely speaking with you. Thank you for inviting me to this episode. And hopefully we can have more in the future. Thank you so much for watching or listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, please consider subscribing on YouTube or following us wherever you're listening. Also, leave us a like or a review. It really helps the show. Lastly, if you're not a member already, consider subscribing to our weekly newsletter. Every week, I spend hours sifting through thousands of listings to find the best homes for sale in Spain under 200,000 euros. The newsletter includes all the properties I find with the original links to the listing and the seller's contact info. Visit cheapropertyspain.com newsletter to learn more.